Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hi, I'm Mark. I'm Bethan. And welcome to episode three of Seeing Red. Uh, thank you for joining us once again. We hope you enjoyed our double bill last week for our launch episodes. Um, Bethan's got a really interesting case um, for us today, so over to you. So today I'm going to be telling you about John Strathan. John, another J, that's... So we've oh done John God. Palmer, Joanna Denahay. Why have I done another guy, J? And I've got a J lined up for next week. Who are you doing next week? Who I'm not going to say, but it's a woman and her first name begins with a J. We're, we're going to have to make sure we don't do another J for episode five. Uh, no, I think we've got a theme now. I think we should go <laughs> this. this. Yeah. Seeing red, cases that have J in the name. UK true crime and people with J in the name. I think this is our new thing. Yeah, USP. <laughs> so let's get started. Okay. Today's story is about John Strathan, who was, at the time of his death, Britain's longest-serving prisoner in legal history. He had been in prison for 55 years at the time of his death in Franklin Prison. It's also the story of one of the most ridiculous trials ever. It really highlights the issues that are faced by people who were mentally ill going back a a few decades. It's been called the most shaming trial process. And honestly, I think people will be quite shocked at how he was treated. And even though, obviously, he committed crimes and it is terrible, it's also quite an interesting look at the justice system in our country. Did he have a mental mental health issue? Yes, definitely, um, which we'll look into a little bit more detail. And yes, he did commit crimes. And yes, he he should be, um, you know put on trial for those but the way he was put on trial it's quite interesting so yeah hopefully you will enjoy enjoy Mm. the story and enjoy hearing a bit more about him i think it's hard not to have sympathy with all of the people we've covered to one Mm -hmm. extent or another so even john palmer joanna dennehay this guy yes they've done really bad things Mm -hmm. and john palmer had seventeen thousand victims um, from the scams but I think yeah there's always an element that human element yeah and this is it sounds like a vulnerable guy so yeah I think it'd be interesting to hear about the difficulties he faced as well definitely so John Strathan was born in Hampshire on the 27th of February 1930 his dad was in the army and when Strathan was two years old the family moved to India they lived there for about six years before his dad was discharged from the army and they came back to the UK and they settled in Bath 
Strathan was a really naughty kid. He was skipping school, he started stealing. And just a year after they got back from India, so he was like seven, no, he was nine, um, he was sent to a guidance counsellor because of what he was up to. The next year, he was taken to juvenile court because he stole a girl's purse and he was given two years probation. But they actually discovered at this point that he had no understanding of the concept of right or wrong. Um, he didn't even know what the word probation meant. So Is that just a cop-out, though? No, he honestly, he, yeah. didn't, he didn't know. So his family home was really crowded and his mum was just really struggling and she didn't know how to help him. So they took him to a psychiatrist. He was certified as mentally defective. It sounds like an awful way to describe mm. it, but that's how they described it. I think we've moved it. on just a bit from there. Just a little bit, but at the time, so this is in the 50s, um, no, this was in the 30s, he had an IQ of 58, which meant he had a mental age of a six-year-old, even though he was actually 10. So they decided to send him to a residential school for children with learning difficulties. At school, um, so at this residential school, Strathan wasn't really popular and apparently he didn't accept criticism very well. He was also suspected of strangling two geese at the school when he was 14. There was no proof, so it wasn't noted on his records, but everyone really strongly suspected it was Strathan. You've got to be going, son, to strangle geese. I know, they're quite vicious. They're vicious, yeah, they're vicious bastards. Um, and obviously animal abuse is one of those warning signs that they say about, isn't it? There's the three warning signs. Yeah, the McDonald triad. Yeah, so what is it? The bedwetting, animal abuse. And starting, fire starting. Starting fires, yeah. yeah. So that was one of the three. And he is a ten. It's quite, quite mm. worrying. And there would potentially be other stuff that was unreported. Exactly. So he could have been. He could have had all three of those. Mm-hmm. But I think that came out... If that was in 63, that... Yeah, like triad. 63, the triad, yeah. Oh, okay, so yeah. It, so yeah. this was, that was way this. is way this. before, yeah. yeah. So they it's probably way before wouldn't, time. They wouldn't have known that that was something to perhaps look out for. So when Strachan was 16, they retested him, and they found that his mental age at this point was nine and a half. It's getting better. Mm-hmm. Because of this, he still warranted what they called a mental deficiency certification, so I'm not really sure what this meant for him, but he was allowed to move back to Bath, so he was able to go home. He flitted from job to job until he found a job at a factory as a machinist, but once again, he just didn't really have any friends. He was a bit of a loner. He soon began stealing from homes while the owners were out, but he didn't really do anything with the items he stole. He was purely stealing for the sake of stealing. he just hide the stuff that he stole. Mm. And in 1947, a 13-year-old girl reported to the police that a boy called John, so she didn't really name anything else, they just said a boy called John, had put his hand over her mouth and terrified her by saying, what would you do if I killed you? I've done it before. But they didn't link it specifically to him until after a few more things came out. The next creepy incident was that Strathan strangled six chickens that belonged to the dad of a girl he had fought with. So it really wouldn't surprise me if he had killed those geese, the ones that... Yeah, so he's done it with his bare hands as well. Yeah. The police arrested him for the killing of the chickens. I don't know... I couldn't even touch a chicken. They freaked me out. Oh, I love chicken. I can't touch raw chicken. I can't touch a live chicken. Did you know that chickens love cuddles? Did you know that? Like, they're like a proper pet. No, they're disgusting. They're lovely. Um, so they, the police arrested him for the killing of these chickens, and he was also under suspicion of burglary at the time... And he basically then decided to confess to everything. So this 
chicken killing and the burglary, but loads of other incidents in what's been described as a cheerful fashion. Mm. Yeah, just, eh, I did that. But again, he doesn't really understand culpability. Exactly, so. if he's got a, like a mental age of a nine and a half year old. Yeah, he doesn't think he's done anything wrong, he, d- mm-hmm. he doesn't know there's going to be consequences. Yeah, so he was remanded in custody and then committed to Hawtham Colony in Bristol. So Hawtham Colony specialised in training offenders who were classed as mentally disabled for their return to the community. It was classed as open and it was the first ever institution that was designed to be a colony. It was able to house and care for 600 patients. So a bit of it's ahead of its time. I would say so, yeah. Because Strathan had been investigated for burglary, he wasn't really seen as someone who would be violent or dangerous, so he killed these chickens, but mainly it was burglary and, and robbing things that he'd stolen and then just randomly kept. And he behaved really well, and he kept away from other patients, so soon he got transferred to a, lo- a lower security hostel in Winchester. He kept up appearances for months, but then he got caught stealing again, he was stealing a bag of nuts. Not sure if it's worth it, just mm. a bag of nuts. And he was sent back to the colony that was the one in Bristol. Do you think he did that to go back to the colony? Um, I Maybe he found some peace there. I'm not sure. I haven't really seen anything that says the reason. I think he just honestly doesn't realise that stealing's particularly wrong. He wants to steal, and so he does. Um, also, then, when he was back at Hawthorne, he decided to just leave. Like, he didn't have leave to, to go somewhere. He just decided to leave on his own, own volition. So... He went, and then when the police tried to get him to come back, he resisted them. So he got into trouble quite a lot. In 1951, he had a psychiatric examination at a Bristol hospital, and they said that basically he had suffered severe damage to the cerebral cortex, probably from, um, I, I don't know how to say this, encephalitis? I think you said it right. In India, when he was a child, so probably before the age of six, he'd had this in India, and that so was some kind of bacterial or viral yeah condition, and there. it affected his um, cerebral cortex. So this psychiatric examination said that this was what had caused everything with him, but they said he was sufficiently rehabilitated, and he was allowed to go home, and he got a job in a garden, which, according to what I've seen, he seemed to really enjoy. He seemed to like tending this garden. See, from everything you've said so far, he sounds like a really damaged guy that's mm-hmm. trying to find his way with the help of different professionals, and I can't see him doing anything really bad, but it he obviously does, because I feel for him right he now. He really does do something bad. Yeah, um, I don't want to... Can we just stop now? No, you're going um, to have to listen to the rest of it. <laughs> stop trying to stop me when I've written stuff that I want to tell yeah. you. So his family home had become less crowded. I'm not really sure what that means, whether the family had moved Well, his mum was probably like popping out a few more kids. But it got less crowded. So oh. he was able to go Maybe they'd grown up and fucked Yeah, fuck so off. maybe other, other children had flown the nest. Ah, yeah. Um, so he was able to go home. So he was back in the care of his mum. And he had a few more psychiatric assessments where they said by the age of 21, he had the mental age of a 10-year-old, so he's improved. Half um, a year. And we'll discharge him. So yeah, it doesn't sound like he's really getting much help, but then this is the 1950s, how much help did people really get? I'm actually surprised at the amount of intervention there's been Yeah. with psychologists, psychotherapists. I didn't think there'd really be anything back then. Yeah. Um, Strathan actually really hated the police because a lot of this stuff that he'd done, he'd then got into trouble with the police. He basically blamed them for all the troubles he was having. It's like nothing like taking Some kind of association then, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he doesn't see it as he's 
stolen something, he's in trouble. He sees it as the police have got it out for him, basically. When he was on his way to be assessed one day, he saw press, press coverage of a young girl called Christine Butcher. She had been murdered. And there's a woman called Letitia Farfield, and she wrote a lot about Strathen. And she basically thinks that because he saw how much trouble a child kidding caused the police, it would be a great idea to piss him off and cause them more work. So that's why he decided to start killing children too. Oh, mm. so he is a bastard. Yes. So on the 15th of July, 1951, Strathen had gone to the cinema alone and he walked past a garden where he saw five-year-old Brenda Goddard playing and looking at the flowers. According to his latest statement, Strathen offered to show her a nicer place and so he picked her up over the wall to take her with him. Somehow, at some point, she hit her head. He's never really said what happened specifically and that's when he decided to strangle her. He left her body where it lay, carried on to the cinema and trivia for you, he watched the film Shockproof. Never heard of it. He was considered a suspect in the murder and the police interviewed him, but when the police checked his movements with work, they kind of dismissed him as a suspect, so I don't know whether perhaps things just didn't quite link up. Um, Strachan said that he knew he was under suspicion and he hoped that it would annoy the police. So even here, he's done something to try and annoy the police. I, I just don't see that he understands exactly the consequences. Mm. On the 8th of August, so this is like, a month later, he went to the cinema again and here he met nine-year-old Cecily Baxton. He took her to see a different film after that and then they both went on the bus to a meadow locally known as Tumps on the outskirts of Bath. Tumps! Tumps. Once again, he strangled her to death. Now, again, like with the first girl, he just kind of left her body where it was and he didn't try and cover his tracks and... With Cecily, like, loads of people had seen the two of them on the bus. So, for example, there was a bus conductor. He, I think he either knew him or knew someone mm. who worked with him. So he knew he was. There was a young couple out for a walk and they recognised him and they came quite close to him as well. So they could quite easily give descriptions. And there was also a policewoman, a policeman's wife. When the alarm was raised that Cecily was missing the next day, she told her husband, who's a policeman, and basically said, I saw this person with this young girl, took them to exactly where she'd seen them, and that's where they found the body. She then also gave the police a really thorough description so they could arrest Strathen. So he just really isn't trying to cover any tracks. But again, why would he if he wants to annoy the police? Yeah. And also, why would he if he doesn't realise he's really doing anything wrong? Yeah. The police went round to Strathen's house and arrested him, and then the next day he made a statement where he admitted to killing both girls. He was charged with murder and remanded in custody, and by the 31st of August he was committed to stand trial. On the 17th of October 1951, at Taunton Aziz Court, Strathen stood trial for the murder, and he stood before Mr Justice Oliver. Literally the only witness at this was a doctor from Hawfield Prison, who testified to Strathen's medical history and basically said he was unfit to plead. An actual quote from him was, In this country, we do not try people who are insane. You might as well try a baby in arms. If a man cannot understand what was going on, he cannot be tried. The judge agreed and formally said Strathen cannot stand trial. He was sent to Broadmoor which was originally termed a criminal lunatic asylum, but the Criminal Justice Act had made it transferred to the Ministry of Health. 
So those committed to it had been renamed as patients by this time. But it, it's still a really, even back in the 50s, it would have been a really bad place. That would have been a worse alternative than prison. I don't know because Honestly. at least you're there. You've got Jimmy Savile doing the rounds. Yeah, well, he wouldn't He wouldn't have been Jimmy Savile's no. type, so that's something, I suppose. <laughs> um, <laughs> when he was in Broadmoor, he was given a job as a cleaner. I love cleaning. You do Lucky love... Lucky bastard. I know, you'd have loved this. Meals cooked for you, yeah. clean up whenever you want. Love it. Um, he, obviously, again, was putting on pretenses and, and acting like everything was normal. However, he was planning his escape. Mm. Wouldn't be a good story without a good escape as well. So it was April 1952 and he basically made sure he was wearing his own clothes under his cleaning clothes. He'd gone outside with an attendant and the patient and they were cleaning some like outbuildings. Now they were working really close to the 10 foot wall that surrounds Broadmoor and nearby there was a low shed. The roof was like eight and a half feet tall. Also there were loads of tins and barrels and stuff around. It's like literally a recipe for disaster. Mm. Anybody want to escape, just come down here. He then asked, like when they were going in, so they'd finished all their cleaning, and he basically said, can I just stay here quickly? I'm just going to shake my dust out. So the attendant said yes, went back inside with the other patient and just left him out there to shake his duster. It's not a euphemism. It's not even a euphemism. He actually wanted to shake his duster. And so he just went for it. He climbed you know, over the shed, mm. jumped over the wall and made a run for it. So that was easy? Easy. Like, what the hell? It's Broadmoor. Mm. So he had, in total, four hours of freedom at this point. He got, like, seven miles away. It was ridiculous. The first person he came across was about 20 minutes later, so he just went. He just started going. He started running. He saw a woman in her garden and he asked her for a drink of water and they stopped and chatted for, like, ten minutes. He even instigated a conversation about how close Broadmoor was and the likelihood of people escaping from there. How thick is she? I know, can you imagine? If I lived near Broadmoor and some random guy asked for a glass of water, just turned about nowhere, I think I'd be suspicious. But this is in the 50s. Yeah, but it's still Broadmoor. She lives right by it. You always turn up and say hi. Yeah, that's true, yeah. (laughs) Um, So he, yeah, they chatted for like 10 minutes. I've seen heartbeats. He chatted for like 10 minutes before he decided to travel on and he carried on for like an hour and a half and that's when he then came across five-year-old Linda Bauer and she was riding her bicycle around the village. Within half an hour, Linda was dead as well, but she wasn't discovered until the next day. Strathen carried on and so he's just left Linda Bauer and he carried on sort of wandering around. He asked for a cup of tea from a woman called Mrs. Kenyon. Again, she was in a house along the way. At this point, he was seven miles away from Broadmoor. He'd been gone for quite a while. Mm, I've been knackered. Yeah, so they had like this na- this chat, and she agreed to drive him to a bus stop, so I'm guessing he was pretty knackered too. He didn't mm. want to run anymore. When they were going along, Strathen saw what he thought was... Well, he saw people in the uniform, and he basically said to her, are they police? And she said they were. And he then got freaked out, got out of the car, started running. So she then spoke to those two, and it turned out they were Broadmoor nurses. She told them, like, oh, I've just had this guy, he was really suspicious. And so they chased him down. It was definitely Strathen that they were looking for anyway, because they've been looking for him to try and find him. I love um, how they send two random nurses out, <laughs> not proper security people. Well, the thing is, is, is just they nurses, nurses doing the day shift. Yeah. 
I mean, they say nurses, they may be trained as well, but yeah. Yeah, they does, would be to an extent. I mean, but... it does sound like Broadmoor is just a bit of a mess. Like, yeah. oh, we'll just let you polish your duster outside and then run away and then we'll send a nurse. It's, yeah. It is hilarious. Well, it's not because he murders people, but okay. <laughs> I know. So they chased him down, captured him really quickly and took him back to Broadmoor. The next morning, when Linda was found, the police straight away went to Broadmoor. They wanted to interview Straffin. They got there before any of the news had got to the staff about the fact that she was missing or that she'd been found, anything. And that's really key to sort of the records of the next part. So if we're to believe that nobody at the hospital would have known, he wouldn't have known about this. So the police woke him up and they basically asked him, what did you do when you were free? And did you get into any mischief? And his reply was, quote, I did not kill her. Uh, so kind of the wrong answer yeah. if no one said, did you kill someone? The police said to him, none of us have said anyone has been killed. And he said, quote, I know what you policemen are. I know I killed two little children, but I did not kill that little girl. The, in, the sort of police guy was kind of like, yeah, a girl's been killed. And she was killed right where you were recaptured. And he then said again, I did not kill that little girl on the bicycle. So in his denials, he's giving away stuff that he wouldn't have known if he hadn't killed her. But that's a level of his IQ as well. Yeah. Now, obviously, like I said, nobody had, apparently nobody had heard about this at the hospital. This news hadn't reached the hospital yet. And there's a really interesting point about did he actually kill her or not? Now, my personal opinion is that he did kill her. That's he kind must of, have done. This is my opinion. and So you love a conspiracy. Yes, yeah, so I The should, conspiracy I should be, would be that somebody else did it. I know, I should be Those on that side. The two nurses did it. The two nurses. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's quite an interesting thing about that, so I will get onto that later. Okay. Um, but, yeah, if we believe what the police said, that they turn up and ask him, did you get up to any mischief? And straight away he's saying, I didn't kill a gun on a bicycle. He's giving that away. There was an investigation into how Strachan had been allowed to escape. Um, obviously, there I should would, hope so. Yeah, there should need to be one. And Did they knock the shed down? I hope so. I don't know. I hope that there's no sheds at all next to the flipping wall. It's absolutely crazy. Um, and there was a group of local residents who got together to call for some sort of public service where they could be warned if anyone else escaped from Broadmoor. I feel like that's in place to this day. It is. An alarm, yeah. Yeah. So... Basically, they they implemented warning sirens. Mm. And yeah, like you said, they're in use to this day. That's interesting then. So that was all as a result of him escaping. Purely about him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Bit of an aside here, but I found this out when I was researching. I thought it was really interesting. Literally up to a few years ago, they were discussing it. I think they're still continuing to discuss scrapping the sirens. Why? So currently, if local residents hear a siren... They know that they need to keep inside and supervise children and all schools in a seven mile radius are notified. There's also an, a, like emergency plan that's put in place by the Thames Valley Police. These sirens are tested every Monday at 10am. So it is like a big operation, keeping them operational and also testing them every Monday. Like the locals know that if the siren's mm. going off at 10am, you don't need to worry. If it went off at any other time, I've read quotes where the residents say, you know, it's, it terrifies you because you just know if that siren goes off, you lock yourself in your house. But this costs a lot. 
like having why? this. Why? How? Because they have to make sure it's operational. I don't know. It's if probably got to be tested and serviced. Yeah, and that's the thing. Service yeah. it and and writing out to all the residents and having that relationship yeah, with the police. Exactly. So the prison of, um, mm. officials were basically thinking about changing it to a Twitter alert. How twenty eighteen oh. does that sound? <laughs> Apparently, this. They could have at least done Instagram. I know. Well, apparently this would save £500,000. Now, I don't know if that's per year or if that's just in a one-off cost. Um, But basically, like, locals are really annoyed by this. They're sort of like, we have lived here for years. It doesn't issue us. It's not an issue for us. Also, not everyone has social media. Mm. So if someone doesn't have Twitter, they're not going to... Or if you haven't checked your Twitter feed, you're not going to know. Yeah. I don't know. I do think in, in the whole sort of digital world... You would quickly know if something mm. had happened. Someone would text you, or but there's so you there's it's so not many reliable, people who don't have mobile yeah. phones or, or internet or. I think it'd be really media. fun if that That's if that alarm sounded on a Tuesday and not a, on a Monday at ten. Yeah. On a, I'd be like, oh no, you know, someone's escaped. This is exciting. And you'll be really excited until they turn up and stab you. Oh, I'd lock myself in. Yeah, well, I'd have a panic room. That's it. That's the whole point. And. I mean, the fact that schools in a seven-mile radius would then go into lockdown and stuff, it's, it's clearly the right thing to do. Mm. However, whether they then decide to change it to something else, if they do use social media, they're going to have to use multiple mm. social media platforms. They can't just use Twitter. So has a decision been made on no, this? No, no. So this was 2015, they started talking about it. They said by 2018 they were going to be thinking about this more, but there's just too many people putting up barriers and they, I don't, I don't see it happening particularly soon because it sounds like there's um, petitions and stuff like that. Yeah, so. it's the sort of thing the local MP would probably endorse keeping an alarm like that. Mm. So, even though Strachan had been committed due to his mental health, it was decided that he should be sent to prison because Broadmoor clearly hadn't been able to look after him properly and hadn't been able to keep him in. He was kept in prison for the next three months until his trial in July that year. This is, you know, quite a contentious point, really, because he's been committed as a mentally, as someone who is mentally incapable. Should he then be put in a general population prison? But then perhaps he's had the right level of treatments at Broadmoor. He'd had no treatments. Oh. Yeah, this is one of the things that people have really found quite shocking about this. Is he had been in Broadmoor, but not having any treatment or anything. Yeah, that was just somewhere to keep him. That was just somewhere to keep him. So then it does make sense to put him in a prison where you can yeah. keep him still, not mm-hmm. treat him, and he's more secure. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because mm. obviously in a prison, that's prison is when you've done something bad and you know that it was bad. And you can still have treatments in prison. You can, but, that is, but that's, I suppose, nowadays. Like yeah. Back then, prison was the punishment for someone who knew what they were doing. Broadmoor should have been somewhere that he could be looked after because he needed to be in hospital. With specialist treatment. Yeah, so very interesting point with that. When Strachan's murder trial opened on the 21st of July, he pleaded not guilty. So the prosecution wanted to try and argue that he was fit to plead and his defence team decided to leave his sanity to be decided by the jury. He was still saying he did not kill that little girl. He's constantly, he's never changed from that story. He's always said, yes, I killed those two girls. I didn't kill this third child. The judge agreed with the defence team 
and basically agreed to let the jury make the decision. That's really um, weird. Yeah, on whether or not he was fit to, to yeah. stand trial. Into the, the jury, the, them being the medical professionals yeah. that they would have been. Exactly. He not only allowed this trial to continue in this way, but he also allowed the press to report on legal arguments that had been heard in the absence of the jury. So if the jury aren't allowed to hear certain things, why should the press be reporting on it? They would have still been told not to read any of that press. But yeah. Yeah, but in the same way, if you were doing jury duty now, they would say don't read anything online, don't go on mm. Twitter, Facebook, and look at comments around this. Or and if you your, do it, to get your Broadmoor notifications. Well, yeah. <laughs> but if you do it, you're then you if you're found to mm. have done it, you could be up for pervert the course of justice. So yes, it would have been reported, but they would have been told not to read it. Whether they read it is up mm. to them. But then should it be did. reported when the case hasn't even the case hasn't even run its course? But if if it's deemed as being in the public interest, mm, that is true. So the prosecution called to not only discuss the facts about the murder of Linda, so this is what he's on trial for, Linda's been murdered, but they also wanted to discuss the two murders in Bath, the ones that he'd admitted to and he was classed as criminally, um, he was insane so he couldn't be sort of stand trial for that. This application was seen as prejudicial by the defence, but again the judge ruled and said mm. that this was admissible. Again, a lot of people have sort of said that shouldn't be admissible mm. in court. That was something separate. This and that's usually the case. They wouldn't. Yeah. It's only after the verdict has been exactly. given that you would then hear about the other crimes. That... Exactly. So once again, something in his yeah. case that's a little bit. I think the Masons are at work here. <laughs> Someone else that you want to come and get. Yeah. So on the literally the second day of the trial, the judge was really late to court. So everyone sat around waiting for the judge, and he turned up and basically explained that one of the jurors had gone into a club and was talking about being on the case. Told people that he was a juror. Told people that he was pretty sure that Strachan was innocent because he had heard that a prosecution witness had actually killed her. So. It's been one day of the court case, mm. and already you've got a juror shouting his mouth out in a club. The interesting judge, what he said, though. And very interesting yeah. what he said. The judge said that he'd have to start again with a whole new jury, and then he actually told the naughty juror to stay in court for the whole trial as a way of apology. So he had to sit there uh, through the whole trial. Yeah, but he might have had two or three weeks off work. It's not punishment. Mm. This is, depends on what your job is. Yeah, true. Also... Might have been unpaid. Back, yeah, I was going to say, back then, would you have been paid if you were on jury duty? Because I feel like probably nowadays not. you would be, but yeah. I can't imagine you would have been then, so it probably was a bit of a punishment. Mm. So well, then, he could have gone to prison. Yeah, so, that's true, actually. Yeah. It could have been worse. So, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so this now was the third trial that Strathman had sort of stood at. So the first one, obviously, was for the first two The two minutes. girls, yeah. This was his third trial, and it absolutely was a trial by media as well. Newspapers were filled with posed photographs of the mothers of the three murdered girls drinking tea together. So really tugging on the heartstrings of the public. But that's just what the press do. Yeah, but they do that to this day. Yeah, and it's awful though, isn't it? Because straight away everyone's like, right, these three girls are linked. They haven't mm, even listened mm. to any of the evidence yeah, about whether or not he did kill. He's admitted to the other two. And whilst he wasn't then put in prison for those, he was he did his mm. time. Um, 
So the first day's proceedings were repeated before the new jury, and once again they heard about the previous two murders as well, that was still kept in. The defence team called on healthcare professionals to give evidence about Stratton's mental state, but then the prosecution team were doing the same thing to try and prove he was sane. So all this jury would have had is he did this before and here's really conflicting evidence mm. from what should he be. He is insane, he isn't insane. Yeah, he's saying from insane, insane. professionals, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And one doctor for the prosecution team, he testified that because Stratton had said murder is wrong because it's against one of the Ten Commandments, and therefore this doctor said he was sane enough to be tried for it. The jury literally deliberated for an hour before they found him guilty. So they didn't even take very long to think about this. And that, them saying that he's guilty meant that they were saying he was sane and he could, you know, he could stand trial. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing and he did it. The judge sentenced him to death. Strachan's defence team appealed on the grounds that, first of all, the Bath murders shouldn't have been mentioned in court. And also, the statements that he made when the police came and woke him up that morning after Linda's murder, um, when she'd been found, those sta- uh, statements that he made were made before he was officially cautioned. So really, they shouldn't—they should have cautioned him and then taken his statements. But both of these re- like grounds for appeal mm. were refused. So that should have been in- inadmissible. Yeah, but they—they they were refused. So actually. No, it doesn't matter, and the 4th of September that year was the date that they set for his execution. Shortly after this, Strachan was declared insane again by the Home Secretary, and he was given a reprieve, so this date of execution was cancelled off. Over the 12 months since he was sent to Broadmore initially, he hadn't received any mental health treatment, and he'd been declared insane then sane, and then insane again. So clearly there was just no consistency whatsoever. There was loads of public outcry about the trial and the sentencing and just how confusing it all had been and how kind of unfair it had been. And one of the doctors at the time said, it is not the sanity of John Strathen that is in question, but the sanity of the law. I would agree. Completely. Strathen continued to say that he wasn't responsible for Linda's death. He never denied killing Brenda or Cecily, but he stated he could not have killed Linda. Now, I personally do think he did it. Mm, So I'm trying to be as fair as possible. So I thought I'd just see what your opinion is when I give you the evidence of why he didn't do it. So this is what he he says. So there were fingernail marks on Linda's throat. So she had been strangled and there were uh, fingernail marks but Strephon had bitten his nails down so much that he literally had no fingernails that stuck out. So how would he get fingernail marks? I honestly think if I throttle, I, I bite my nails quite mm-hmm. severely. And if I throttled someone with such force, I yeah. know that I mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to leave fingernails. Yeah. I can do it now on my leg. Yeah, and that's the thing. Yes, I've got long nails and you'd quite easily see that, but I agree with you on that one. So one... So he's talking shit there. Okay, talking shit with that one. The killer would have had to have taken her bicycle because her bicycle was found dumped in Hedgerow a little bit further along, but Strephon's fingerprints weren't anywhere on this bicycle. Mm, Maybe somewhat. Maybe he left it with her body. Somebody found the bike or he threw it over a hedge. But he would have had to use his hands to do that. Yeah. 
So that fingerprint testing back then mm-hmm. would not be as good as it is today. And what if there were smudgy fingerprints? Yeah. That, yeah. So again, it's a bit wishy washy. Yeah, it's better evidence than what mm-hmm. we said before, yeah. Um, people had reported hearing screams at about 7pm. Now, he came across her at about 5 o'clock-ish. If the t- and the timeline has to be correct for him because the Broadmoor nurses turned up and they've been chasing him. So mm. that definitely was correct. And, and the woman who gave him a lift in the car knew what the time screams was. Screams aren't conclusive. That could just be kids playing. Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing with that. That is... People heard that scream, but nobody then ran, saw her being yeah. just about murdered. So, um, there were loads of eyewitnesses that saw him. So, obviously, I talked to you through a couple. Of, there was the woman that he spoke to and had a glass of water. There was the woman he had a cup of tea with who gave him a lift. Loves a free drink. He it? loves a free drink. He could have been getting some gin out of them. There was loads of different eyewitnesses, and it really doesn't give him much time to be unnoticed. So, for him to be seen and seen and seen and seen. Suddenly not seen at all, strangles a girl, and then he's seen and seen and seen. It It's something that, again, quite circumstantial, but people have said it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. There was no time for him to go and murder someone. However, he's quite opportunistic. The other two murders were not planned. They were, he saw a girl and he decided to kill Th- her. This could have been over in 60 seconds. Absolutely. Yeah. She was young. She, he's massive and an adult, yeah. so it, I don't buy it. No, I don't. I'd need to see a really strict timeline yeah. and I'd need to know a bit about the area as well, how mm-hmm. populated it was, because I just I think he would have easily had a minute, two minutes yeah. without being seen. Absolutely. Her, yeah. So you're with me on this then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah it's a bastard. <laughs> so after he was reprieved, Strephon was moved to Wandsworth Prison. But then the guards there heard of an escape plot. That it wasn't his escape plot, but the people who were planning it were going to use him as a diversion. Mm. So they had to move him. So he then got moved to Horfield Prison. Mm, near me. Yes. So there was, a, there was a public petition to have him removed from the area because the locals in Bristol were really worried about him being there. So I think if you were there back in the day, you'd have been signing that petition. <laughs> he then got moved to Cardiff Prison, but then he got moved back to Horfield. Um, when Parkhurst Prison's high security wing was ready for opening, he was the first prisoner to arrive. Mm. And he was soon followed by criminals such as the great train robbers. Six wow. of them were in there with wow. him. Um, he was then, after that, moved to Durham Prison in 1968. And after that, he was moved to Franklin Prison. So he definitely moved around a bit. As you can see, all of these are prisons. None of them mm. are mental institutions, none of them are hospitals or any sort of places where you'd expect him to be in. Um, at this point, the Home Secretary had mm-hmm. deemed him insane. That's how Absolutely. he got off being executed. Exactly. All of these are prisons. Mm. So should he have been in those prisons or should he have been in some sort of institution? He would make an application every month to the governor asking, when am I going to re- be released? He clearly didn't realise that, yes, you've had a stay of execution, but you're now in prison for the rest mm. of your life. And there was um, a list of 20 prisoners who'd never been released that was released, I believe it was The Sun, but I might be completely wrong, I can't remember for definite, it might have been The Daily Mail, in like the 90s. So they released like this statement of these 20 people who are proper life, mm. you know, proper lifers, and he was one of them. And he clearly just didn't realise that that was what his life was going to be. So was he given a whole life tariff then? 
So I don't think that, I think because he was just given this reprieve, that was it. It was, you're not going to be murdered, but basically, yes. Deemed a massive risk. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. A lot of people have said, basically, he was only in prison because no mental health facility or institution was secure enough to hold him. It's kind of sad, but but It is sad, but then ultimately the most important thing is to protect the public from him. Yeah. So forget him and his suffering in a prison and not having access to the mental health care that he needed. The most important thing was that he was in a secure facility Mm -hmm. and the people of Hallfield and wherever were safe. Yeah. He never really spoke to anyone in prison. He was really like aloof and a bit and continued to be a loner. Obviously, he didn't have friends before and he, he clearly didn't care about having friends continuing. He only spoke to people if he needed to ask for something. And apparently he was like really tall and skinny. And I read this quote, I can't remember who said it, but he they basically described him as like a daddy long legs sort of oh, type, no. like just literally <sighs> floating around and drifting around with these tall skinny legs and skinny arms. He just sounds a bit... Never liked oh, daddy long legs. I hate them. Yeah. Did you know that if their teeth were strong enough, they'd be poisonous to kill a human? Oh, oh. But they can't pierce your skin, so they're not, they're not poisonous enough. Fun Isn't that fact. horrible? Um, so Strachan's story doesn't quite end with him in prison after prison after prison. In 2001, it was coming up to like the 50-year anniversary of his trial... And his solicitors were calling for the case to be be reopened. They wanted it reopened on the grounds that he hadn't been fit to stand trial originally. There was an investigative journalist who uncovered reports that the reprieve after his death penalty was because a number of doctors had found him insane. So that's why that was that was called on. This journalist believed that um, Stratton had been innocent actually and he was one of the ones who came up with loads of the things around why was he innocent and why wasn't this looked into mm. in a bit more detail but the application was denied in 2002 and actually that was that his story does end in prison after prison when he died at Franklin prison in County Durham on the 19th of November 2007 he was 77 years old and he had been in prison for a British record of 55 years. Yeah, I can't find anyone who's been in prison consecutively for longer than that. Can you imagine spending 55 years? That would be all he knew. Yeah, absolutely. It just doesn't bear thinking about. So that was the story of John Strathman. What did you think? Um, It's really interesting. I, I think... To begin with, this is a guy that's had a really difficult upbringing. There was obviously some issues that made him do what he did and behave in the the way that he did. He had that kind of issue with his brain, Mm -hmm. whatever you call it, cortex, um, that made him the way that he was. And I think with the right intervention at the right time, maybe today he would not have gone on to kill innocent people. He would have maybe received the right treatment and medication and three innocent girls wouldn't have been killed. So it's quite tragic for him that he spent 55 years behind bars. Mm. But equally, he could have done untold damage. If, mm-hmm. if he was kept at Broadmoor, and he would have just repeatedly escaped. He would have done, absolutely. And considering Broadmoor, Broadmoor is supposed to be the most secure, mm. and they couldn't even keep him, it really wouldn't have ended well either way. I think he did well to survive to 77 yeah. behind bars, because that, that massively reduces your life expectancy mm. time spent in prison so 
Um, so yeah, I would say it was a good age, but not much <laughs> of a life. No, not much at all. And also, obviously, I don't believe this. You don't believe this. But if he hadn't killed, if he hadn't killed that third child, you know, has he has he been, you know, had he been in prison that whole time for something he didn't do? Yeah, but then he did kill two others. Which he was involved with. Yeah, but I think he should have served longer. Mm. And yeah. I, I really do think he killed the third girl. Yeah. I've too much of a coincidence. I personally do. Can you... How much of a coincidence that he escaped from Baltimore and... That the, same the day. That same afternoon. Yeah, yeah. That that would happen. Yeah. And somebody else happened to do that who then has never been linked to her death. Yeah. No. So hopefully we'll have some good discussions Definitely. on social media with people who are listening and um, see what they're thinking. Let us know what you think. Is he innocent or not? Yes, please let us know what you think. So as always, thank you so much for listening to today's case. We hope you'll join us next week for Mark's surprise J case. And I promise that after that we'll find someone with a different initial. Maybe. We'll do our best. <laughs> Thank you um, once again. Don't forget you can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Um, And we look forward to speaking to you next week. And as always, send us any feedback that you have. Bye. Bye.